we're going to begin this series this morning. I, I, I want to, we're really tackling a massive, massive topic and, and it's not going to be easy to do, but for the next three weeks, I want to talk about masculinity and what, what being a man is. I want to talk about what God created men for. And honestly, it is a complex subject. And I know a lot of women are hearing that and saying, oh, it's not complex. Just feed him, hug him, he's okay. You know, but, but there, there, there are some who don't think it's a complex, that complex of a situation. But did you know that 1 Corinthians 11 says that men are made in the image of God and reflect God's glory? That, that's a really big, broad, massive thing. So I'm going to try to tackle it. And today we're going to try to answer a question that needs to be answered more than ever. And that is... What does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a man? Because we have a generation that has, uh, we have a lot of young men who are really nothing more than boys with beards. They don't take responsibility. They don't, uh, they, they, all they want to do is have fun. They want, they're going for the next adrenaline rush. We need to answer the question, what does it mean to be a man? And uh, so we're going to be do, trying to do that. Next week, I'm going to talk about men as husbands and then the week after that, on Father's Day, we're going to talk about men as fathers. But this is really, really an important issue because the, the reality is we will never be the church that we need to be and that God is calling us to be if we, as the men of Restoration Life Church, don't step up and accept the role that God has created for us. And, and for the women here, I want you to understand you're thinking, boy, I've just wasted my time the next three weeks. But that's not true. This is important for you, too. Because no matter who you are as a woman, I, I, I guarantee this, uh, you are affected by men, one way or another. Uh, you either have one, or you want one, or you've had one and you don't want one anymore. One of, you're fit in there somewhere, uh, but, but all of us are affected. And, and so what I want to do is biblically lay out what God has commanded men to be. And if we'll hear that, if we men, if we will hear that, we'll put it into ac action, then the truth is everybody is better off. Not just our wives and our children, but the entire church is better off. So, but, but here's the deal. I need the women of the church to, to make with yourself today. You're not even making a deal with me. You need to make a deal with yourself. And that, and that is this. Listen, if you try to play the role of the Holy Spirit in any of this, you will absolutely destroy everything that the Holy Spirit works through the Word today. What I mean is if you get in the car with your husband after church today and you're on your way home and you say... Did you hear him? Then, then it's just going to go bad for you. And uh, because all the def defenses are going to go up and your husband is not, going to, is, is not going to be able to hear what God is trying to do. And I know that there are some ladies that are very strong-willed and you're not going to listen to me because you think you can make him listen. And I'll accept your apology next week. So anyway, let's pray together. Would you do that? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the power that's in your word. And we thank you, Lord, for the calling you place in our lives. Today, God, as we look in your word, we just ask that you would anoint what, what I have to say. What I, I know, Lord God, I'm a weak vessel. I'm flawed. And I'm trying to tell men to, to, to live in a way, Lord God, that, I, that it's difficult for me. And I just pray, Lord Jesus, that you would, you would just make it come alive to all of us. And that you would speak to us and you encourage us and have your way in our lives today. And I believe you for it in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Genesis chapters 1, 2, and 3 tell us about the moment in time when 
God created all of, all of the universe. God, in the beginning, God created the entire universe. It, it, it was all beautiful, and, and everything's functioning as it's supposed, supposed to function, and, and all of creation is in rhythm, and everything is working perfectly. And, and then the scriptures tell us that he made man and woman in his image. After he created all the rest of creation, he made man and woman. Now that's important that the scripture tells us that he created both man and woman because it tells us that the truth is that men and women are created equally, but they are created distinctly. The argument really is not whether or not men and women are equal. That is not the, the issue. That's not the problem. We are absolutely equal in the same way that Jesus and the Father are both, are both God and equal, but they are different. So men and women are equal, but we're absolutely different. As much as our culture wants to try to diminish that and say, oh no, there's not really any difference. That, that's, there's no question men and women are different, although we are equal. God, is, God made us distinctly the way that we are for his purposes. And I don't think you really have to be a genius or a sociologist or, or, you know, or anything to, to, to be able to understand this. I think, I think you just have to have kids and you begin to see this. I, now, I don't have any sons. Uh, I've got two girls, but I've certainly been around a lot of boys. And believe it or not, one time in my life, I was once a little boy myself. And, uh, and, and I've noticed that boys and girls are very different from each other. I remember, I, I really didn't understand how different they were uh, until we had two daughters, and then I saw how they played, and I thought to myself, boy, that never crossed my mind when I was a little boy. You know, I never once, never once had my, all my buddies over and said, hey, let's try on all my clothes. <laughs> it just didn't happen. That was not something that was interesting to me. And, and we didn't do that. We, we didn't do that. We didn't play house. We didn't do any of those things. We, were, we played differently. But, uh, but, I, but they're very, very different. As, as a child, just from my experience, I received love from my parents through wrestling and, and headbutting. You know? Uh, I wanted to fight. I wanted to wrestle. I, I wanted to, to play hard. I wanted hard touch. That was what I, I, I was aggressive. I loved it when my dad would rough me up. You know, when he, he would wrestle and he would, he would uh, you know, let me win, you know, or let me f pretend like I won, you know, and I mean, I, I just loved that. I would dare him to stand in the doorway and dare him to a fight, you know, and that's what I did. I enjoyed that. That's how I received love. But my daughters, on the other hand, they've never really wanted a whole lot of that. They, they, they want me to dote on them. Now they enjoy a little bit, but they want me to dote on them. Now this stage has finally passed, uh, but I remember when they were little, uh, they would, they would change clothes like 32 times a day, you know, I mean like four less than their mother, you know, and I'm probably going to pay for that one later, but, uh, uh, but th that's what they would do. But here's what happened. Every time one of my daughters changed any bit of it, whether it was shoes or dress or hair, or they put up makeup, put on makeup, which is always, uh, you know, really comical when they're, when they're five and they're trying to put on their, their own little makeup. But whenever they did any little thing, they would want me to stop what I was doing and turn and look at her and then tell her how beautiful she was. That's what they wanted. Now, they enjoyed, as I said, a little wrestling, but what they really wanted was talk. Because if you've been around little girls, you know that they're very verbal. And so a little girl would say, do you know what? And then they will talk for hours and hours and hours. That's what they will do. 
uh, and, you know, boys, they don't, they make noises, but they don't talk, you know, and, and so you, you don't have to be a brain surgeon to realize that they're different. Now, I'm not trying to go overboard with, with this. Boys do things that aren't as aggressive, like every, every boy at one, some time or another puts on his mother's shoes, especially if they're sparkly, you know, so they do that. It's just sort of a father's nightmare, your, your, your son in a diaper and pink pumps. You know, it's just something that just doesn't fit right in that, that picture. So I'm not trying to go overboard. Boys do uh, those things. Boys can be sensitive. And on the other side of things, my daughter, uh, they, they like climbing up trees and they like jumping out of them. They, they, they did those things, sort of things. So I'm not making a blanket statement that says your daughter can't ever be aggressive or have some tomboy in her or that your little boy can't be, uh, can't be sensitive and like to paint or dance because I don't believe those things to be true. But on a whole, little boys and little girls receive love very differently. And what, what's happening in that is that God is showing us, saying to us, I've made these things distinct. They're not the same thing. They're different. So now God creates this amazing planet. He, he plants this beautiful garden in the, middle, on, in the middle of it. And according to Genesis 2.15, it tells us that he puts man in the garden to work the land, to cultivate. He said to them, subdue the earth. In other words, the picture is it's almost as if the rest of the earth is wild, but he has this beautiful, beautiful cultured garden that they're in. And he says, now I want you to make the rest of the earth look like this. And that's what he's told to do. God created the man to be a cultivator. And here, here's what I mean by that. Here, here's how it plays out in our lives. God creates men, all men, to build and to create and to cultivate the growth of whatever we built and created. We've been designed by God to cultivate, to build things, to sustain them, and to make them as big and as awesome as possible. It's, it's what men are. You, you see it everywhere. I'll give you an example. It's a, it's a funny thing to me that 30-year-old men are still keeping track of what they bench press. I mean, why? Now, I'm not saying don't bench press. Get your press on. You know, do it. Uh, but, uh, but what I am saying to you is, is that why in the world are 30-year-old men that are not, not professional athletes, you know, taking creatine and whey protein trying to bench press 315 pounds? Why does that matter to us? It's because we've got to get bigger, we've got to get better, we've got to get stronger. You, you, you can also watch a man who discover a new sport and play it twice and then spend 10 grand on equipment. It's so true. Guy goes out and plays golf three times and all of a sudden well, he's got to get the best golf clubs there are in the world. You know, somebody, some guy runs a block and a half on the treadmill. Next thing you know, he's got a $400 heart monitor watch on him. You know, God just put us together like that. We want to get better. We want to be the best. We want to build. I mean, what's the, what's the mantra of every man? Whether it's cars, homes, technology, whatever it is, it's just bigger, better, faster. That's the way we're wired. It's what we want because we're cultivators. We were designed for it. We were designed to cultivate our wives, to, to love, nurture, encourage, and, and build in them so that they would be, as Psalm 128 says, a fruitful vine. We were created by God to cultivate our children, 
to discipline, to love, to encourage, to rebuke, and, and to work for their steady progress in life. It's what we were created for. We were created to grow things and to cultivate things and to build things and to make them as big, deep, and wide as possible. We want to build. It's in us. We cannot shake it, nor, nor do I think we should. Listen, we, we were meant to build, and, and that's why we as men need something to do. We need something to build. Because, and I think everybody, every woman in this place will agree with this statement, because nothing is as dangerous as a bored man. Can I get an amen? Somebody was very emphatic about that, as a matter of fact. And I'll say this, and this is a blanket statement. I have never met a lazy, undisciplined man who wasn't in inner turmoil. I'm not saying there's not one out there, but I've never met one. If you find a lazy, undisciplined man, if you strip away all of the bravado, if you strip away all the act, when all is said and done, you'll find a heart that is scared, that is fearful, that is wounded. Something's gone wrong in that heart because we weren't designed for that. And the reason they're in turmoil is because they're not living out the very design that's built into them. And that's why even lazy, undisciplined men have giant fantasy lives. You know, they, they, they're the ones that, that watch Braveheart and see the scenes of Braveheart, Braveheart and envision themselves running beside William Wallace, you know. Freedom! Right? They, they play a lot of paintball and conquer video games. What I mean by that is, even lazy, undisciplined men still feel the call to be part of something bigger than themselves. To build something and to be part of greatness. It's in all of us. It's why we follow sports the way we do. It's why we have teams, despite the fact that we don't play. You know, that's my team. Really? When did they draft you? Oh, they didn't? Ha <laughs> ha. So this is men. It's, it's what we are. And I don't think we should apologize for it at all. But, but here's the problem in all of this. This is the, the, the kind of the crux of this. When men have not submitted their lives to Christ, they're still cultivators, but they cultivate bad things. They still do the same things, but now instead of doing the right thing, they're cultivating bad things. And you want to hear something that's even harder than that for us men? I want you to, to, to hear this. Even when you're trying to cultivate the right things, it's unbelievably difficult. Let me show you why. Go to Genesis chapter 3. We're going to read there Genesis 3, 17. After God's creation was fractured by sin, we know the story. God talks to the serpent and he curses him. And God talks to the woman and he curses her. Then God talks to the man and he curses him. But there's something really, really interesting in how God curses the man that I want you to see. Genesis 3, 17. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten the tree of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles shall bring, shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat, eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Now, now I want to I point this out to you. This, this is going to be some, some heavy stuff, uh, so I'm just warning you out of the gate. When God cursed man because of sin, 
he not only cursed man, but he cursed that which he, which he was supposed to cultivate. Do you see that? He didn't just curse man. He said, because of your sin, the earth is cursed. Now go cultivate the earth that has been cursed. So when a, even when a man tries to cultivate what's right, it wars against him. So, so even when a man tries to build good and uh, positive things and he tries to cultivate those things, his efforts will at times, instead of producing fruit, produce thorns and thistles. L let me give you some examples. If you've ever really tried to speak life into your children, if, you, if you've really, really tried to talk to them about the glories of Christ, even if you just tried to, to just lead them in a way that's good and positive, how difficult is that? How difficult is it to get your children to even listen to what you're saying? I mean, how often are they like, mm, nah, I'm all right. If you've, if, you've, if you've noticed, most of us has, have these things in our mind where we're like, oh man, here's my, I got a plan. This is what we're going to do. We're going to do this and, get, and, and we're going to uh, put all the money this way and we're going to get all the bills paid and then after I do that, I'm going to put it over here and we're going to get that done and, and this is how I'm going to handle this and this is all going to get done and everything's going to be great and I got this plan and then it just almost never happens. Right? Because every time you're close, the transmission fails or something happens. It happens to, in young men like this. They think to themselves, I'm going to get a woman that ain't much work and I'm going to get a new house and a new car and I'll be set. Well, I just want to say that is a wonderful fantasy world in which you're living that's in your mind there. Because I'll tell you this, there is nothing this side of eternity that is not a fixer-upper. There is nothing this side of eternity that's not a fixer-upper. No woman, no car, no house. There's nothing this side of death that does not require effort and work. And ladies, I'm just talking to the men today, but, but, but uh, men, have you ever tried to love a woman like Christ loves the church in that he gave his life for her? Have you tried that? That's not easy. It's not easy to begin with. But then what happens when a woman doesn't want to be loved that way? It wars against. This is difficult stuff. And it, maybe it helps us understand the way things are. We begin to understand why things have, have just never seemed to gone the way we thought that they would go. God says, I want you to nurture, encourage, love, and build. But it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. All right? So, so why? Why would God wire it this way? You, you would think, if you're like me, you would think that, that God would say, listen, if you and your wife, if you both love me, then I'm going to make marriage a snap for you so that everyone will know how good I am. You know, does that sound like a better plan? You know, I, I brought it to him twice. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, I've, I went to him, I've gone to him, I've said, hey, 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 I got this, I got an idea. I got an idea. What, what if when you talk to your kids about the glory of Christ, they just heard you and were like, oh, yes, I don't even question you, Father. Wouldn't that be amazing? And, but, but why does God say, I want you to cultivate it. I want you to love your wives like Christ loved the church. I want you to pour into your children and love them and nurture them and discipline. I want you to work hard at work. I want you to be cultivators of everything you touch. 
and it's going to be a war every day of your life. Why? I mean, you're, you're God. How about I, I love you and you make life, life easy for me? And by the way, I mean, there are plenty of churches that teach that if you want to hear that, but you won't hear it here. But why would God wire it this way? Let me tell you why I think he wired it the way that he did. Personally speaking, nothing, no book, no Bible study, no song, no conference, no speaker, nothing has taught me the weight of God's love and the glory of the gospel like trying to be a man, like trying to love my wife like the church, like Christ loved the church, like trying to love my children and lead them in the right way. Nothing has shown me the weight of God's love and the glory of the gospel like trying to be a man, a biblical man. Here's what I mean. My daughters, uh, if you know anything about me, you know that my daughters are just my my joy. And every, every father of a daughter will tell you that daughters own you. They own you. It's just a weird thing. You're wrapped around their finger and you don't care. For, for whatever reason, over and over and over again, when, when my daughters were little, now it's not so much the same anymore because uh, they've grown up a bit, but when my daughters were little, over and over and over again, they thought I was the enemy of their joy. Right? They, when in the end, the truth was, I wanted their joy and their happiness more than they could possibly comprehend because I saw things better than they did. And, and so when I would say to them, no candy right now, I'm not trying to steal, I was not trying to steal their joy from them. I was trying to increase joy for them. And, and when I would say, don't play the, the game on the, on the tablet or on the phone while we're walking through the parking lot at Walmart, I'm not trying to rob her of the exhilaration of playing a video game. Uh, I'm trying to make sure she doesn't get crushed by a car. Right? And so what ends up happening in that moment when I'm trying to increase joy and increase life and increase happiness and, my, and then my daughter looks at me and says, I don't want any, any of that. I'll do it my own way. I want what I want. And they're angry about it. And so in that place, in that time, trying to be a good dad, what do I do? I, I start to discipline her. And, and as I start to discipline her in the background... God begins speaking to me. And he's, he's saying to me in the background, I mean, in my mind, while I'm disciplining her, but disciplining her she, he's saying, this is playing out like another story I know. You, you, know the, you know the one, the story, the one where I try to lead you like, you, like this, and, and you're like, no, I want what I want. I want my stuff. And he says, Hoskins, you're a three-year-old girl. So while your daughter is in the corner thinking about what she did, why don't you go to the other corner and think about your, about your life for a while? So in the process, God begins to show me something about who he is. But by trying to nurture and love and point Aaron and Abby to Christ and having at war against me, I actually begin to understand how big and beautiful the gospel is. And despite the fact that I war against the hand of God in my life, he continues to love, pursue, and extend grace to me. As I do that in their lives, I begin to realize this is what my father's been trying to do in me all this time. And now I get it. Or maybe it's those moments when I try to lovingly serve my wife and 
and, and this would be a rare thing, but she doesn't respond the way that I want her to respond. And all of a sudden, I start to understand the gospel because I begin to remember the times when God did something in my life and I didn't respond the way that would honor Him. I understand the depth of the love of Christ for me, the depth of His grace, the depth of His forgiveness. You, you know why it's hard? Because when it's hard, then we understand the gospel. When it's hard, we walk in humility. And when it's hard, we'll be dependent on God. If it was easy, none of those things would, would be there. So, so listen, even the, the truth is, even the fact that it's difficult is actually God's love, mercy, and grace at work in my life because He's trying to develop something in me in the process of walking through this cultivation deal that He calls me to that is so difficult. And, and I know there are some people that still think it's, it's not difficult, but that's because they're single. Uh, but, but, I mean, have you ever wondered why it's... Men, why it's so awkward to, to pause and pray with your wife and it's not so difficult to pray with other people. You think maybe there's some principalities at war there? So what are we going to do? God says, I want you to cultivate. I want you to nurture. I want you to love. I want you to sacrifice. I want you to do these things, but it's going to be hard. Okay, so what do we do? How do we walk in this life being cultivators, but finding that everything we're supposed to cultivate is warring against us? Whether that is business or family or wife or ch children or friendships, how do we walk in this deal that God's created? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, I want to show you how. 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. I love that line. Anytime you hear somebody say, why don't you act like a man? I mean, that's a little bit of a shot to an ego right there. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Okay, so how do we walk in the system where we're called by God to be cultivators, but what we've been called to cultivate it will at times war against us? First of all, he says, be watchful. Be watchful. Here's what I think that really means to us today. Every one of us as men knows where we're weak. Every one of us. And if you say you don't today, I would probably call you a liar. We, we know if we've got lust issues. We know if we have fear issues. We know if we have pride issues. We know if we have anger issues. Generally speaking, we know where we're weak. Now, I understand that we have blind spots in our lives, but generally speaking, we know where we're weak. We know where the attack's going to come from. We know what keeps us from being the kind of men that God's called us to be. Well, the text says to be watchful. If you know that's where you're going to get attacked, if you know that's how you're going to become overwhelmed, if you know that's where you're going to stumble and fall, then be watchful over that area of your life. Build defenses over that area of your life. Be watchful. For example, if everything unravels for you when you get tired, then be watchful. Maybe that means you shouldn't watch the late night talk show. Maybe you need to go to bed instead. Maybe the second sports center after the first one you just finished watching isn't a necessity. Maybe sleep is. Maybe, maybe instead of living on red meat and coffee, maybe if, you're, if tiredness makes you uh, uh, unravel, maybe, God forbid, you, you eat a vegetable once in a while. 
You know, and I didn't, I'm not saying go crazy. I didn't say join the gym and do Pilates or anything like that. I'm just saying eat a green bean once in a while. Okay? Uh, if, 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 uh, if getting tired is the thing that starts your unraveling. If watching TV or, or, or uh, makes you unravel, then be watchful. Realize I don't need that. I need this other thing more. Because, because we've got to understand this is not a game. We have to be watchful. And this is true for men and women. Uh, uh, it's true for all of us. We have to understand. If we know we're weak in an area, that's the part we need to pay attention to. That's where we need to build defenses. That's where we need to dig into the Word. That's where we need to be watchful. You know where you're weak. We all do. And if you know from where the enemy's going to attack, wouldn't it make some sense to build some defenses there? So, be watchful. Then it says... Stand firm in your faith. I think another way to say that is walk in what you believe. If you're giving God in the gospel lip service, but you're not really walking in it, then I guarantee you this, sir. If you're doing that, then you are a miserable man. I don't know anybody more miserable than, than nominal Christians, people who claim to know Christ but don't live it out. The hypocrite is the most miserable person I know. Because they got it's like they got just enough of Jesus to make him miserable, but not enough to find any joy in him. I, I don't honestly, I don't even know why somebody does that. To me, that's what I call church as a hobby. You know, you're not gonna live it out, you're just gonna go to church. That's it's a it's church is a hobby. And I honestly I have to tell you, I I really think that church might be one of the lamest hobbies in the history of the world. I mean, if you're gonna have a hobby, get a boat. Seriously, I mean, the, the boats are great. They're fun. You can wakeboard or ski behind them and inner tubes are great. I just, I just don't get church as a hobby. Why in the world would you do church as a hobby? Why would you come here and not be serious about your walk with Christ? What's the point of that? Walk in it. Stand firm in your faith. What good is all the power that God has offered us if we're never going to tap into it? Stand firm in your faith. Then he says, act like men. And be strong. Now, the thing about that is, when we're talking specifically in the arena of marriage, there are times when, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but how many of you understand that, that, especially when you first get married, that it takes some time to learn how to be married, especially for us men. And, and uh, there are times when, especially early on, things can get a little rough. But if you don't, but if you if you stick it out, it takes some work. You got to be strong to hang in there and keep working on it because because eventually it will get better. That's that's the whole goal of it. If it doesn't get better, then somebody's not changing, and a lot of times it's us. But anyway, let, let me put it like this: I, I'm a, I'm a big movie guy. I love movies. I love going to movies. Uh, but one of the things about movies is you have to understand their entertainment. But but there are a lot of lies told in movies. Anybody ever notice that? Lots of lies told in movies. Well, one of those, one of the biggest lies that, that, a, that the movies will tell you uh, is this one. I want you to understand it. Uh, here's the truth. This is not the lie. This is the truth. There is not a woman on this planet that's going to complete me or heal me. 
It just, it just doesn't going to happen. It doesn't matter how much, how much sex I have. It doesn't matter how sweet she is. It doesn't matter if she cleans the house and cooks dinner and does all of those things. None of those things matter because there's not a woman on this planet that will heal the deep parts of me. And there's not a man alive, ladies, that will fulfill you as a woman. It's just a myth. There's this myth that movies put out there and say, oh, if you find the perfect one, then it's just going to be beautiful. And it's going to be like walking on clouds and it's just going to fulfill you and, and you'll have the life you always wanted. But, and that's what happens. So it leads us to the place where you have girls that are really, really lonely being single and they get married because they, because they think that will fix them and they become uber lonely while they're married. Because they think some dude's going to fulfill them, but in the end, it just makes it worse. I mean, think about that. I mean, you've got two people in marriage. You've got one person with all kinds of sin and baggage, and, and, and they're dealing with that already. And then you've got another person with all kinds of sin and baggage, and they're dealing with that. And then when you get married, guess what? All those things don't just go away. You've just combined them. Now you've got to figure out, that's why marriage is, is, is one of the biggest tools God uses to shape us into the image of Christ because now I've got to figure out how to get past my stuff to be able to help my wife and to bless her and help her grow. So here's what I think. The call on my life as a man who's married and as a man who is submitted to Christ is to cultivate, encourage, love, and build up my wife. And here's the hard part regardless of her response. Woo! This is not for the faint of heart. What, what if I'm trying to love, encourage, and build up, and she just decides that she doesn't want any bit of me anymore? And what if she, sa what if she says, no, thank you? Or, or maybe, maybe she doesn't just actually out and out leave me, but what if she doesn't respond the way I want her to respond? I can tell you in that moment what I want to do, but my call is to keep loving, to keep walking, to keep encouraging every day of my life, no matter how long until the Holy Spirit breaks into her heart. That's why this text says, be strong. Be strong, because this is not for the faint of heart. I mean, you want to talk about self-sacrifice and all the valiant themes that men love so much. This is a big one. Be strong in submission to Christ. Love your wife. Love your children. Be that cultivator that I've called you to be. Be strong because it might be in the next life before you finally get all the peace you're looking for. And then he ends it like this, verse 14. And, and how impossible is this? Let all that you do be done in love. You know, why couldn't he just said, try to, try to do things in love? Or let most things that you do be done in love. But he says, let all that you do, all that you do be done in love. How many of you have done some things in the last week, just an informal survey, that were not done in love? Just let me see your hand. Anybody? Okay. My hand's up. Listen, this is impossible. 
It's, it's imp- absolutely impossible. In fact, it's, it's almost comical when you apply it in marriage because, because if you start talking to other people like this, I mean, some guy comes to you and they're like, and they're like man, it, it, my wife, she just doesn't respond to me very well. I'm, I'm just, I mean, I'm trying, but, and then you're like, just keep loving her. Just keep loving her. Well, why should I keep loving her? She doesn't do anything I want. Yeah, yeah, well, okay, but, but just keep loving her. Lo- love her more. What? Buy her flowers. What? Buy her flowers. I can't stand her. Well, buy her lots of flowers. I mean, she's this and she's that. You you, you really want to get her? You want to get back at her? Clean the house. Serve her. I mean, clean it all. Bathrooms included. Clean it. Serve her. That's what you do. They look at you like, huh? Huh? So suddenly the lady's like, I like this sermon. Preach it, brother. They preach it. And you're like, yeah, serve her, romance her, love her, woo her. Are you serious? Absolutely serious. But she, she spit in my face. Well, then give her a bottle of water and grab a towel, brother. I mean, it's a little different message than what you hear today. The message you hear today is, hey, if you're not happy, get out. Isn't that the message you hear today? Isn't that what people say? Well, you know, I know it's going to hurt the kids, but... But, you know, I, I, I still, I got to be happy. I'm just not happy. And, 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 and it's not good for the kids for me not to be happy. Listen, it's just not about your happiness. This is a message of putting other people first. And listen, I, I'm just telling you, generally speaking, now it's not a hard and fast rule because, uh, because women uh, can't, you know, are, are just as broken as men. But men, I want you to understand something. If you will love your wife the way Christ loved the church, if you will do it the way that he talks about, she's, mo- women are wired in such a way, most of them will respond in a very powerful way to that. But when you begin to belittle, when you begin to, to, to nitpick, and one of, my, one of the things that drives me nuts, and I know there's some joking around with this, but when guys get together and start telling them, uh, each other about how bad their wife is, and, you know, I mean, just, just be the other guy. Be the one that stands out and says, man, I, I feel sorry for you all. I got the best wife in the world. But it's difficult. It's difficult. It's a different message. And and we could move on to, for off of marriage and we could get on to children. It's, it's equally difficult. Here, the truth is, we're going to need the transforming power of the Holy Spirit or we'll never be the kind of man we were created to be. You know, I am 58 years old. I'm expecting to live to be at least 59. <laughs> and so, anyway, I, I look at the span of my life and Let's just say I live to be 75. God's merciful and gives me that many years. I look at that and I think, can I really do that for that long? Can you really live like that for that long? I look at that and I think to myself, man, that's impossible. But then the scriptures tells me where God says, I'll give you everything you need to love and lead Julie. I'll give you everything you need to love and lead Aaron and Abby. I'll give you everything you need to pursue me with your whole heart. I'll give you everything you need for all of that today. Today. You just make it to bed today. I'll give you all the strength you need today. And when you wake up in the morning, I'll give you all the strength you need for that day. 
I mean, that's a phenomenal promise from God, isn't it? All right, so what are my hopes in all of this? We'll close with this. Well, I think my biggest hope in all of this and through this, this series is that there will be a lot of real men here at Restoration Life Church. A lot of real men, not males. That's easy. That's easy to do. You're, you're born that way. I'm hoping there will be a lot of men. A lot of men who say, I want to be a man of God, like that video we watched earlier. A lot of men who say, I want to do what God's called me to do, even if it's hard, even if it wars against me. I'm going to be the man God called me to be with his help, with his empowerment. That's what I'm going to do. And, and listen, here's the truth, because I don't want you to walk out of here. I don't want you to feel under condemnation. I want you to understand this. All of us are failing at some level at being the man God wants us to be, right? I mean, we all are. Is there anybody here that you're, you've finally arrived and you're completely like Jesus? Let me see your hand. That means that we're all failing at some level. So this is not a message to condemn us, but it's, it's a message to inspire us to see what God is calling us to be, to help us to see what could be, to see what could happen, what kind of man I could become, what kind of husband I could be, what kind of dad I could be. Because you know what? Some of you are doing really well in those areas, but you know what? There's still more. All of us are failing at some level at being the man God wants us to be, at being a cultivating man. And that's why the cross is such a beautiful thing. Because I, I honestly, I don't think there's anybody in here that's like, hey, follow me, boys, I'll show you the way. And, and if there was, I wouldn't follow that person because that person is probably really filled with arrogance and pride. I, I'd, I'd follow the guy that's like, I'm trying. I'm do, I don't know. Here's how, what, how I'm trying. I'd follow that guy. But... But, but, but you know, we're all failing to some degree. So, so here's what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying. Because we're all failing. Here's what I know about guys. If guys feel like they're walking in shame or they feel like they're failing, the tendency in many of us is to say, I'll forget it. And then go the complete opposite way. Why even bother? Why even try? And I'm hoping that none of us will do that. I'm hoping that you'll man up. That's why we call this series Man Up. I'm hoping that where you need to ask for forgiveness as men, that you'll do it because some of us might need to go to our wives and ask for forgiveness from our, from our wives for the way that we have acted. And I also know this. Some of us, we're, we're cultivating well at certain points. You know, like we... Like we get to work and we're cultivating well at work and we're like building an empire and just doing great there. But then when it comes to your wife and kids, it's more like, well, here's, here's some money. Cultivate yourself. Here's some cash. Go, go buy a skirt. You know, go to the spa. Go do something. Just get, a, get away. Or you've got the other side. You've got the guy that's cultivating his wife and he loves to play with his kids and loves to hang out, but he's just an absolute bum at work. Or you, you've got the guy whose house is falling apart and he's sitting on his couch at 1.30 in the afternoon on a Saturday afternoon, and he's still in his underwear, and his wife is all stressed out, and everything's all busted up, and, and things are run down, and he's sitting there watching a rerun of a college football game from last year. I, I mean, dude, serious? So, so this is my hope. My hope is that we would all continue to grow, and we would be men. 
beam in. And I'm not talking about camping or hunting or all those things that we associate with manliness or any of those things. I'm talking about being men, being cultivators, growers, nurturers, builders. And then for our ladies, here's my hope for our ladies, particularly those that are married. Ladies, if you're married, my hope is that you would be a quiet spiritual force in your home. And what I mean by that is that instead of jawing at your husband's failures, that instead you would quietly pray and hope and trust God to work in him. For our single girls, my, my hope is that God would put in your heart a deep and consistent desire for a man, a, a godly man, not just a male. So, so this is my hope. And, and listen, in our culture, it's, it's going to be like climbing Mount Everest. Because everything in our culture is going the opposite way. Trying to tear down men. Trying to get rid of even women now. Trying to get rid of all these things. And, and it's, going to be, it's going to be like climbing Mount Everest. But men, here's what I know about for us today. We have a few hours left in this day. And Christ has given us all we need to be what he's asked us to be today. I know that. So the question is, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do today? What can you do today to cultivate your, your wife, to encourage her, to build her up? What, what can you do today to, to, to build into your children and to, to nurture them and to, to show them the glories of who Christ is? What are you going to do today? Because it doesn't just accidentally happen. You have to make a choice to say, I know what it means to be a man. I know what God has called me to be. Now I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And I'll tell you this, men and ladies, you need to understand this as well. When you start trying to step up, especially if you've been kind of slacking off lately, I'm going to tell you right now, men, it will feel really awkward to you, to your wife, to your children. It'll feel really awkward because you haven't done this. And in that moment, just keep doing it. Be strong. Act like a man and be strong. And ladies, when that moment comes, please, 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 when your husband finally steps up and begins to lead the home and begins to, to spiritually lead, when he begins to try to cultivate you and nurture you or your children, don't look at him and say, well, it's about time. Because you just shut it down. Because he already feels awkward about it. Just be grateful. In fact, maybe all you need to do at that moment is just say, thank you, Jesus. Because I see you working in my husband. I see you working in his life. It may mean we have to humble ourselves, men. But I can tell you this, it's worth it. It's worth it. You're building a legacy that goes way beyond this life. You're building into a, a new generation that will learn from you and then Built and will cultivate a whole new generation after that. It's worth it. It's worth it. Would you bow your head? Let's pray together. Father, I have such hope in my heart for our, our young men here. I have such hope that, that, that we might be watchful and that we might be strong, that we might love and encourage and speak well of our wives and we might love and encourage and and. and, and uh, re even rebuke, Lord God, and, and, and be part of the discipline of our children.
that we would be hard workers at home and at work and that we would be men who love our, our God and serve Him with our whole hearts. We, we, Lord, we just pray that you would work powerfully in us. Because God, we know that our broken self is going to make us want to think about us and what we've earned and what we've owed and what we're entitled to. We've got a thousand other people whispering in our ears things that are contrary to the gospel in our lives and saying it's all about us and do what you want, you, you deserve it. But Lord, I praise you that you've given us enough grace and enough strength to be the type of men you called us to be today. And so may we tap into that strength to, to ask for forgiveness where we need to ask for forgiveness. And may we, in, in the morning, ask for the strength to, to get through tomorrow. And, I, and Lord, I thank you that there's really deep joy and really deep life and a, a lot of vitality and fulfillment in being a man. And as difficult as it is, as, as exhausting as it can be at times, Oh, the glory that's created in homes and in children and in workplaces and in marriages when we submit to you. So God, make us stronger than we are. Make us braver than we are. Glorify your name in us. It's for your beautiful name we pray. Amen.